Welcome to Funeral Potatoes for the Singles Ward. Tune in to today's taboo topic with Kaylee and Tracy. Okay. How's my sound? It's fine. Okay. Yeah. I'm not great, though. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we're working good. with what we've got, okay? I and know. what we've got is not a lot. <laughs> and there's no reason to fix it now. <laughs> no, no. Can you believe we've done this podcast for almost three years with just two microphones and determination? Sheer stubbornness and pride has kept us going. <laughs> no mixer, no like, oh my gosh, sophisticated audio equipment, like just cheap ass microphones that we bought off of Amazon one day on a whim. 20 ish dollars each. Yeah, did just... no research, just picked one and said <laughs> that one. Hey, mine had at least four stars. I don't buy anything unless it has at least four stars. So. <laughs> I got that going for me. <laughs> I don't even remember how I found this microphone, truly. Oh my goodness. Well, remember. you bought that one for, for your for your first podcast that you started, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So yours is even older than mine. I know. I have another one, but it's Crazy. at my office and I use it when I have to record what? things for trainings. So oh, that's fine. So, so it's getting some use. Yeah. Which like is making my... Uh, IT person very concerned because he's like, well, where did you get this microphone from? And I was like, my house. <laughs> and he was like, Does he think there's like a bug in it? I don't or know. like, is this too good? He's like, that? you're not supposed to use your own equipment. And I'm like, are you going to buy me a microphone so I can record voiceovers for these training videos that I'm doing? And he's like, no. And I'm like, so why are you asking me these questions then? <laughs> That's so funny. Oh my gosh. I had a realization or like I had a bit of discussion with someone that today they're like, um, it's not so much my voice, but like, I'm very much a video person. It turns out because like, they're like, I'm trying to present Kaylee and you keep making all the facial expressions. Like you're killing me here. (laughs) Like, sorry, but you're also telling me concerning stuff while you're sick. So like, there's no turning my face off. Yeah, there is none. Yes. That has been the one good thing about the pandemic. Um, Mm -hmm. Us wearing masks has hidden a lot of the faces that we make when people are talking to us. Yeah. That is accurate. Because as long as my eyes don't change, we're good. We're good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But once it comes off, there's no telling what you're going to find out. Oh, yeah. It's bad. (laughs) Oh, Although I have learned that apparently my eyes have gotten more expressive over the last two years to compensate for the fact that my mask covers the rest oh, of my no. <laughs> So now if oh, like no. I'm at work and someone's telling me <laughs> a story and I'm supposed to be having no reaction, my eyes are like blowing up and like <laughs> they see all the thoughts oh, racing no. across my eyes and they're like, Tracy, uh-huh. calm down. And I'm like, what do you mean? I am calm. And they're like, no, you're not. We can see everything and I'm like uh-huh. but I'm wearing oh. a mask you can't see everything and they're like no <laughs> we can't see anything no we can't we can see it all that's so funny honestly like I don't feel like my eyes open very well like I don't I don't feel like I have big eyes so like even when I do make expressions I don't feel like they necessarily go notice but I don't know that or people just let me get away with a lot of things and just <laughs> I think that's what it is <laughs> <laughs> They're just like, oh, she hates this. 
what do I do? I'll just keep going. Yeah. They're like, it can't get much worse from here. Oh, of course not. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. We'll see. Um, Pandemics do have a way of, you know, changing everything. So something was bound to happen. Yeah. (sighs) But here we are. We'll have to find another excuse to continue talking, Tracy, on a regular basis. But I mean, I think if anything, we'll have more time to talk about other things <laughs> because we won't be so stressed about planning a podcast episode. That's true. It won't That's be. True. What topic are we going to talk about? I don't know. We've exhausted all do? of our what topics. are going to find time? <laughs> I don't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think I think we are putting too much pressure on ourselves to stay in contact. I think this is this goes without saying it's going to happen. You're stuck with me. Um, Okay, good. (laughs) Yeah, whether you like it or not, you're stuck with me now. Especially now that you have Richard in your life, you're definitely stuck with me. That's true. Because that is very accurate. So, Richard, Richard. if you're listening, (laughs) (laughs) you are part of the glue keeping (laughs) us together. Yes. And Zach, oh you have taken all of my friends. Zach. <laughs> Who else can I take next, Tracy? <laughs> He's next in line. <laughs> I swear you've taken all of my friends. Gosh. Mariel. She seems so cool. She's probably we, next, we're, honestly. We're two, we've been in two <laughs> holiday Halloween gift exchanges. <laughs> I am ready for a third with her. And this will lead to a bounty of friendship opportunities. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I'll go. I can work at this. And what's We're like good. not even fair is I don't even live near <laughs> any of these people anymore. Also true. Like <laughs> so I was rude. gonna say I don't, but I'm like, it feels like I'm down the street from Richard now. Yeah, you basically no. are. <laughs> yes. Meanwhile, I haven't seen Richard in like 10 years. Maybe oh not 10 gosh. years, maybe like five, but mm-hmm. still. I'll just be like Richard. We've talked about going to New York City. We have to go to New York City and we'll make sure that Tracy is there. And if we can, we'll talk Zach into a holiday time because Zach needs a holiday. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'd all be together. That'd be so weird. I've been friends with Zach for like, what, a year or more? Yeah, now? basically. <laughs> Never met him. Never met him in, in real life. <laughs> I've I've gone online at like 2 a.m. to watch movies with him, but mm-hmm. I've never met him face to face. And you know, as kids growing up and the beginning of the digital era where it's like never talk to strangers online. Um That's I how feel we like make I our friends in a real direction. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is where we make the most friends now. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. I have fully made a so, friend with a girl so on Twitter who like we had we literally just have mutuals in common. Oh yeah. Don't know each other. Never met her. We talk fairly regularly on Twitter and now we're friends. I love that. Don't live in the same state, but now we're friends. So, I mean, it works. You do. It works. I gotta find some more friends in New Jersey though. Yeah. That's, I don't have friends here. (laughs) I mean, I have like five friends, but that's like, (laughs) that's it. I did get on Bumble BFF. Um, There's definitely going to be some red flags I've noticed and I, run away from but I feel like there is a little bit of potential there because I feel like a, right now especially since the pandemic people have been like fleeing from their homes in a uh, that's not the right terminology because a lot of people are like fleeing their countries um 
But as the pandemic appears to be winding down a little bit, a lot of people are taking the opportunity to move, whether it's for work or because they can finally afford to do it. Um, so that means like as they move, they're also looking for new friendships and everything. So um, I've been talking with a few people who have like just moved to the area and are just like, okay, like let's find a good place. Like there's this one girl who's also from California. She's like, we need to find a good taco place because I need good tacos. And I'm like, I haven't had good tacos in at least three years. So I'm definitely game for that because you can't find really good Mexican food in Utah. It's literally not possible. Yeah. You can find adequate, but that's the closest you can get. Understandable. Yeah. (sighs) Anyways. Yeah. Friends are good. Friends are life. We need friends. (laughs) And we are friends. Yay. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) I've been cracking up this week because my, Mm -hmm. my few friends that I have here from work, um, one of them just got married like a week or two ago. The other two just recently got engaged and I'm like the token single lady. (laughs) You are (laughs) nice. How does that feel? It's feels normal. Um, It basically feels like me coming home from my mission all over again. So I was going to say that's, (laughs) (laughs) Um, that's funny, but okay. (laughs) So I was talking to them about Halloween. They all love Halloween. Also, they all love dressing Mm -hmm. up for Halloween, which is great. So I'm like, okay, cool. I found the right people. And then they're like, oh, what are you going to be for Halloween? And I was like, well, I'm going to be Agatha from WandaVision, but specifically the 1980s Agatha. Oh, oh, okay. Yes. You did tell me about that. Okay. Yes. And they were like, what's WandaVision? And I was like, what? It was like record scratch. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? (laughs) You don't know what WandaVision is? And they're like, no, what is it? And I'm like. Marvel show that like swept the country in 2020, like began all of these Marvel shows that we now have on Disney Plus. Like that was the beginning, and you don't know what this is. No, they don't know. They don't know. Crazy. Yeah. So now, of course, I'm questioning everything. And I'm like, did I really find the right people? No, I'm just kidding. Okay, no, I know that vibe though, because I've made so many friends through the years where like we're just opposites. And you usually like try to find people who are like you. No, I go towards the people who I want to be like, but I know I'll never actually be like. Like the super popular, super outgoing, like super very confident of themselves people, especially like you when we first met. And I was just like, Like the vibes that you give off are like the vibes I want to be able to give off, but I know I'll never be able to give them off. I want the vibes that like my friend Katie can give off. Um, like I I can't do those vibes. I know it's like little not possible, but I will cling to those people <laughs> to feed off those vibes, basically. So friends are weird. Basically, I hit this point this week where I was like, listen, I am just doubling down on the fact that I am that meme. Or that TikTok that you sent me of three different <laughs> types of women who dress up for Halloween. Oh, There's yo. the super slutty ones, the super <laughs> yes. grotesque ones, and yeah. the super niche ones who made everything. Mm-hmm. And no, this so is an Elizabethan crazy. ruffle and not a different kind of <laughs> ruffle collar. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just leaning into that even more. I'm so glad. As someone who absolutely adores Halloween, like... I'm permanently decorating my place to look like it's Halloween, but I've been struggling so bad still with any costumes. And I'm just like, I'm afraid, like, I'm just going to give up. Like, 
should resurrect the Mothman, but like take it next level. Like really make the bat wings and right instead of using a tablecloth again. Yeah, get a dress. Get like the Georgia dress with the red glasses. Yes, that'd be fun. I know, but I already wear glasses. Am I going to wear two pairs, or am I just going to be blind? I'm just going to be blind, aren't I? I was. I would say blind. Just be blind. That's fine. Who needs to see anything? We have no proof that the Mothman (laughs) is not blind. So I think I'm just committing to the character. I feel like most. I feel like most creatures that do work, live, thrive in the darkness tend to be less focused on their vision. So that that, yeah. that would actually make really good sense. I think it All works. right, maybe I will commit to that. We'll see. No. <laughs> I like it. Goodness. Oh, gosh. Anyways, <sighs> if you guys want to tell us what you're dressing up as for Halloween, yes. send us a message because we want to know. I absolutely love people. Like I love dressing up. I love seeing what people come up with and I feel like it continues to improve every year. I, especially like on TikTok, I've just been seeing a ton, a ton of like people like coming up with like these crazy ideas and they're like, okay, we're all going to be this, but here's like all the weird variations that you can like do with it. Different types of dads. Yes. Which again, when we get together, we're going to have a dad party. We are, like we it's going to happen. We will. Yeah. We just need to figure out when that's going to happen. Um, yeah. Yes. But like, there's also like one person that's been going around and their son's getting like, their idea has been going around really well. So I think we're going to see some videos of this, but it's like where you, it's like not, it's niche, but like super not niche. So it's like where you get a whole theme together, but someone takes from a theme. So it's like, you all have the same idea, but you definitely went in different directions. So like, okay, like here, you guys are the seasons. Someone's going to be like a seasoning, like paprika. Someone's going to be one of the four seasons. Someone's going to be like from the seasons, the band. And so it's like all these like weird variations where it makes sense, but it totally doesn't. Okay. No, I just, that sounds fun. I just love how creative and how niche people can get. And there's just so <laughs> much, the creativity is just amazing. And I feed off that. I love I it. I like it. Maybe when you and Richard come out and Zach comes up, yes, you will we will do the like choice. the party, the yeah, and yes. we'll make Mia come down. So Mia, if oh, you're listening, yes. you're you have to you come guys, too. If you guys are listening, this is yeah. happening. You will be required to dress. Oh, up we'll make Tyler like, come too. Tyler would probably Tyler, come and dress yes. up. I love it so much. <laughs> I need to do better with that. It's oh my gosh, it's so great. You just need to feel inspired. Something will like grab you and that's when you'll run with it. There we go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm still considering doing the Witch King of Angmar one day from Lord of the Rings oh, because mm-hmm. it's it's necessary at this point. That is. Anyways, that's enough of being <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> nerdy. And about everything else. <laughs> Let's go into oh, Corrections corner. We we still got an episode to get through. All right, corrections corner. Take us away, Tracy. Now that we've talked about (laughs) nonsense for twenty five minutes, what else is new? Yeah, yeah, for real. Okay, so for corrections corner this week, I don't really have a correction, but when I talked to my sister yesterday, she brought up another question from our book club discussion um, last week. Mm Okay. So when I posed the question in our episode, 
if Joseph Smith hadn't gone the whole polygamy route, would he still have been murdered and would the saints have had to flee West like at all? Or would like that not have happened? Would like they have stayed in Nauvoo? Would things have like, would that have become the church capital? Like that was my question last week, which we just like hypothesized about. So she countered with another question slash another idea. And her idea was perhaps Joseph had to go that route, like the polygamy route, because the Lord saw how badly the American people were messing up with heading west. Like there were so many wagon teams that died along the way Mm -hmm. and like we're not making it and just messing shit up all the time so then the lord was like all right that's it i'm gonna move things along because y'all are failing miserably and not getting it or learning or growing or whatsoever so the lord was like okay yoink here goes joseph (laughs) and now we're gonna make the saints go west Mm -hmm. and then their route was later used by like so many other settlers moving west so like that was instrumental and it kind of needed to happen Mm -hmm. so she posed the question Is it then possible that the Lord allowed the prophet to be influenced by Satan to go the polygamy route so something greater could come about? Like further Western expansion or just people figuring out how to go West in general. And this is really just something to noodle on. We don't Mm -hmm. know. There's no (laughs) right or wrong answer. It's just something to think about. So. That's interesting though. My yeah. perspective is still that it was more of a political move based on his campaign for presidency. Um, but like, I I could definitely see that. I don't think that there is, I think there would, mm, I, I, I do though think that, yeah, polygamy could have <clears throat> been part of the problem because it was a problem. It is a problem. Because it kind of was like the inciting incident that we saw for like everybody hating on the Mormons. So I think it's possible, but again, I'm not a historian. I'm not a an expert on anything no. like this. I am just a woman with a microphone and a podcast and I have opinions and thoughts oh and gosh. that's that's all we got. <laughs> sometimes I'm like, yeah, I can't believe like we're doing this. And then sometimes I think of like the the white men with the audacity of having a podcast and I'm like, I think we're the equivalent and it worries me sometimes, <laughs> but here we are. But the difference is we recognize that we don't know anything. And those men, they think they know everything. That's true. We know things and we know that we know nothing. And that's the important thing. Yeah. And we also know when to stop, which is not like those boys. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Anyways, okay. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah, okay. I like that though. Thank you for bringing that up. We are thrilled to be new members of the Dialogue Podcast Network. For those of you who are unfamiliar with Dialogue, Dialogue is a collective of independent and interesting podcasts who promote thoughtful, respectful, and engaging inquiry and discussion into all aspects of the LDS tradition, thought, arts, and culture. You can support our podcast and others in the network by subscribing at dialoguejournal.com. Subscribers receive special benefits like ad-free episodes and bonus content. You can learn more at dialoguejournal.com. So check it out.
So just a heads up, just as a reminder, really, we have one more episode after this. Mm-hmm. So if you guys have any other corrections that we have not made during the entirety of this podcast, this is your last opportunity to correct <laughs> us. Otherwise, what we say goes is kind of the situation here. Yeah. Anyways, we're going to continue now. So this week, we are talking about a few more points of church history that are, of course, sometimes swept under the rug. So like last week, when we discussed Dr. Park's book, Kingdom of Nauvoo, the rise and fall of a religious empire on the world, on the, on the American frontier, we both covered things in LDS church history that we never knew before, like how Joseph Smith wanted to overthrow the government, had a new constitution made, and was kind of leading a secret combination, fun stuff. So if you haven't listened to last week's episode, Make sure you go back and listen now. But in the meantime, first today, we are going to talk about a little bit more. Um, Some things we knew about, some things we didn't. Um, We just have kind of like heard some things in church history, um, just like in passing. Um, Or like we've touched a few things in our podcast, but we just didn't get to them. So we wanted to go over them. We we knew these are like points that we'd wanted to bring up at some point and just hadn't had the time. So we're just doing that now. There are one, two... Is that two? Wait, I lost count. How do I lose count this fast? Is that just two things? Just two. Yeah, we took out the other one. Yes. <laughs> My bad. That's on me, you guys. Um, <laughs> okay, but because the two things we are talking about are heavy, we are putting a violence trigger, a, a trigger warning about violence here. So if you guys are very sensitive to horrible things happening to people, you might want to skip this one. We do. We just want to let you know that. Yeah. So today we're going to go ahead and dive in with our first uh, topic, which is Hans Mill Massacre. Sources for this uh, come from Wikipedia, from Screen Ranch, from BYU Studies website, and from Dr. Park's Kingdom of Nauvoo. So we wanted to go over this one a little bit because we did talk about it in our Under the Banner of Heaven episode. We just like briefly touched on it because it was highlighted in that show a couple times. So we wanted to go back and go over it. So we're going to start this retelling by providing a little backstory about the mill Um, how it got its name, and the significance of the location. So to kick off, Hans Mill was established in Fairview Township, Missouri in 1835 by Jacob Hahn. It was also on Shoal Creek. I'll say Shoal Creek a little bit later in this retelling, so keep that in mind. Jacob Hahn was born and raised in New York. His parents were German and they had emigrated to Canada and then they later moved to New York where they had Jacob. As an adult, Jacob moved to Missouri around the same time as the Mormon pioneers, although he was not affiliated with the church whatsoever um, in this migration. It was just a coincidence. By 1838, there were about 75 Mormon families living in this area, 30 of which lived very close to Hans Mill. And Jacob was on friendly terms with the Mormons in that area. In the summer of 1838, Sidney Rigdon warned that any unjustified actions against the saints would count or would court a war of extermination. And on October 27th, after hearing exaggerated reports of Mormon insurrections, Missouri Governor 
Lilburn Boggs issued an executive order later known as the extermination order, which declared that Mormons in the state must be treated as enemies and must be exterminated or driven from the state if necessary for the public peace. And all of that information just came from Kingdom of Nauvoo. So now the timeline is kind of fuzzy, um, but sometime between Sidney Rigdon's warning about a war of extermination in the summer of 1838 and Governor Boggs' extermination order on October 27, 1838, Joseph Smith had apparently sent word to Jacob Hahn urging the saints living in the Fairview Township or along Shoal Creek near Hahn's Mill to move too far west, to like leave completely. But he also included that, quote, if they could maintain the mill, they could do as they please and stay, end quote. And Han never relayed this message to the saints. Oh, of course not. Why? Why? Yeah. I bother. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Yeah. On October 30th, 1838, a mob consisting of over 200 Missourians marched on Han's mill. Joseph Young, who was the older brother of Brigham Young, was an eyewitness to the entire scene, and he managed to survive by hiding in the bushes and both watching everything happen from afar and completely like trying to conceal himself and protect himself. And his account is actually available on the BYU studies website. And we're going to read a portion of that now. I'm we're paraphrasing it because it's actually really long. Yeah. So it says more than three quarters of the day had passed in tranquility as smiling as the preceding one. I think there was no individual of our company that was apprised of the sudden awful fate that hung over our heads, like an overwhelming torrent, which was to change the prospects, the feelings and circumstances of about 30 families at about four o'clock while sitting in my cabin with my baby in my arms and my wife standing by my side. I cast my eyes on the opposite bank of Shoal Creek and saw a large company of armed men on horses directing their course towards the mills with all possible speed. As they advanced through the scattering trees that stood on the edge of the prairie, they seemed to form themselves into a three-square position, forming a vanguard in front. At this moment, David Evans, seeing the superiority of their numbers, there being 240 of them according to their own account, swung his hat and cried for peace. This not being heeded, they continued to advance and their leader, Mr. Comstock, fired a gun, which was followed by a solemn pause of 10 or 12 seconds, when all at once they discharged about a hundred rifles, aiming at a blacksmith's shop into which our friends had fled for safety. Charging up to the shop, the cracks of which between the logs were sufficiently large, enabled them to aim directly at the bodies of those who had fled there for refuge from the fire of their murderers. After standing and gazing on this bloody scene for a few minutes and finding myself in the utmost danger, the bullets having reached the house where I was living, I committed my family to the protection of heaven and leaving the house on the opposite side, I took a path which led up the hill following in the trail of three of my brethren that had fled from the shop. While ascending the hill, we were discovered by the mob who immediately fired at us and continued to do so until we reached the summit. In descending the hill, I secreted myself in a thicket of bushes where I lay until eight o'clock in the evening, at which time I heard a female voice calling my name in an undertone, telling me that the mob had gone and there was no danger. I immediately left the thicket and went to the house of Benjamin Lewis, 
where I found my family who had fled there in safety and two of my friends mortally wounded, one of whom died in the morning. His account goes on to list the names of every Mormon who was murdered at this massacre. Um, Wikipedia also has the names and ages of every victim um, from this event. And in total, 17 Mormons were murdered. 13 people were severely wounded, including four mob members who were wounded by crossfire. So some people were able to fight back and injure the mob members, which is good. We'd love to hear about that. We just want to verify. Yeah, honestly. The next day, the saints fashioned a crude mass grave for the victims in an unfinished dry well. Mm -hmm. 14 of the victims were buried in this grave, while a few others were quickly buried on nearby farms before everyone fled. It wasn't until after they had fled Missouri and settled in Nauvoo that some families returned to exhume their family members' remains and buried them in an actual cemetery or with other family members nearby. A stone mill wheel was also painted. I saw a couple of pictures online that was left as like a kind of makeshift memorial and it was Mm -hmm. left on the Hans Mill property before the saints fled. Um, Today, there's like a little church history site, but not like a visitor center type of site. It's like a marker and like that's Mm -hmm. it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Did you ever hear about this when you were growing up? I knew a little, I knew very little. I just knew like people had been massacred. Like there was the extermination order and Mormons were murdered. Like, this is the first time I feel like I'm hearing adequate information about anything. When you're in a church, like, they're not going to tell you, like, what they did wrong. They're going to tell you about, like, when people have wronged them, if anything, to make us, you know, look better um, to ourselves and to others. So, like, we focus on, like, not, I don't want to say, like, being the victims, but, like, yeah. So, yeah, I didn't know all that detail before. And, I especially like hate that political comment you you noted with the uh that Boggs made like oh they should be enemies um but like also if they can say and keep working then you know they can say it's fine um because that's what politicians do all the time and we just don't pay attention people are going to hear what they want to hear take advantage of that And like, that's why we have confused, like a ton of confusing laws today, because people are only hearing one thing. And then that gets so many people hurt or killed. And it's just an absolute nightmare. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, mm, yeah, I I hate it. And okay. So, and plus like, there was like over 200 Missourians against what, like, if there were 17 people killed. I want to say like they had less than hundred people total, like far less than a hundred. Like that's just my, where my imagination is going. Yeah. I know we've discussed like different thoughts on like mobs and everything. Like, okay, sometimes they have a reason. Sometimes they're just absolutely nuts. And I mean, mobs are overall, they are very dangerous because, you know, you never know who's taking the lead. You don't know what kind of information they have. We don't know where the truth is. And it's so hard to, to figure things out there. Like, yeah. And that's the thing that like I really struggled with when I was researching this because yeah. obviously I could find church resources super easily that depict like how much of a tragedy and a massacre this was, which like obviously it was, but like there's nothing, there's nothing in any sort of church record that explains like what led up to this or like 
what was the inciting incident or anything like mm-hmm. nothing is mentioned beyond the extermination order that happened three days prior. Yeah. And even when I read Wikipedia's take on it, they were like, it's not clear from history whether or not the people heard the extermination order and immediately mobilized and went to action. Like there's no evidence mm-hmm. anywhere that says that. So like Wikipedia was really? pointing out like there could have been something else that mm-hmm. incited this incident beyond the extermination order. And so seeing Dr. Park's explanation of this in Kingdom of Nauvoo as well helped I mean, because yeah. it provided more historical context for this event than I knew before because all we ever hear is just like the number of the victims that there was a massacre and that it was a horrible tragedy, which it is all of those things. But like, there's some, there's a piece missing. Like there's a piece of this puzzle that's missing. We aren't getting the full picture. I'm not trying to excuse the actions of anyone that like performed this massacre, but like, I would like to know what incited this massacre besides pure hatred. Like there has to be something else. If it is just pure hatred, that's fine. Like, let me know. But I want to know more context. But yeah, that's the thing. Like, pure, like, for hatred to get to to burn so hot that they're willing to pull together that many people to kill a smaller group of people. What did it, what got to them? Yeah. Like, it's important to know even those little pieces for us to better understand how to manage things in the future and protect each other kind of thing like yeah i don't yeah i mean yeah people can go into hot rage over nothing and you know lash out and kill people i i know that's possible but to like get a whole mob together a huge mob at that over 200 people and then with over 100 rifles like that takes a lot of effort and that takes that takes effort that takes time and you know like there's still people who are like being told no or you know like during that time it might have been like wives telling their men no being like no you're not going out of the house right now like you're not going to go shoot these people but then there's other people who are like yeah go go shoot them go get rid of them once and for all kind of thing like how do people get to be okay with that is it all rational I d- I'm not going to say that. No, um, because to be angry enough to kill people, I don't think you can be totally rational, but you need to have an idea. There has to be some pathway that led them there. And I mean, yeah, we can include like Satan and everything, but like people think they do things logically. So what logic were they using to get to that point? I don't know. Yeah. I don't it's know messy. Either. It's gross. It's terrible. Yeah. So Now you know the whole story of the Hans Mill Massacre, if you didn't know it before. And there's even more that we probably have missed. So if you can find more of that information and would like to share it with us, please do so. Mm -hmm. Please. Now, the next thing we're going on to is the Donner Party, which I'm glad we got to do this because um, so this came from me like a few months, months ago. Um, and I was like, we all know the Donner Party, but I've always had it connected to Mormonism because I was like, those, those are definitely pioneers. I don't know why. Um, I don't know if someone ever told me that. I don't know if I read it somewhere. Um, I texted you and you're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And I asked more people and they didn't know either. So I thought it was in my imagination, but I, but we did find a slight connection. And so we're going to work with that today. So sources for this account come from the Daily Herald, National Geographic, Britannica, Wikipedia, and BYU Studies. 
we are noting that although there is no direct connection between the church and the Donner Party, there was a large family in this party that was Mormon, and that other members of the church, specifically the Mormon Battalion, participated in the first successful rescue attempt and provided relief for the stranded group. The Donner Party was also also used the route that the pioneers would later use to enter the Salt Lake Valley in 1847. Okay, so I'm going to provide a quick summary about the Donner Party, just for those who don't know a lot, um, and refreshers are good. So the Donner Party, also called the Donner Reed Party, was a group of American pioneers who were stranded en route to California in late 1846 in heavy snow in the Sierra Nevada mountains. And when food ran out, some members of the party resorted to cannibalism of those who had already died. So there you go. The timeline. Okay, so the Donner Party started their journey in spring 1846. The Mormon pioneers technically didn't start their journey to Utah until spring 1847 the next year. So the Donner Party got started, they got surrounded, and were fully rescued in the spring of 1847, the year later. Yeah, you guys, they were rescued by members of the Mormon Battalion, um, and they were heading east from already being in California. Um, so we'll. We'll get to that. I wanted to include that timeline because literally as I was reading this, I was like, wait, when did the Mormons even go west? Because I could not figure mm -hmm. out <laughs> in my head. I was like, did they cross paths? Like, right. And yeah. then I was like, but how did the Mormon battalion get to them? Like, how, why were they going east? Like, I was so confused reading the research oh, on this. I had to look at like. 15 other sites too just to get my timeline correct oh my and to figure out the geography of where the mormon battalion went in this whole thing because san diego it was confusing as someone who has never heard of like the mormon battalion outside of the doctrine and covenants when they like issue that command for them to go what yeah we don't talk about that shit up north we don't care well my grandparents <laughs> My grandparents served their mission together at the Mormon Battalion Center in San Diego. So anybody is welcome to do that. Go there. And if you do, then make sure you go to the Coyote Cafe down the street because they have fresh homemade tortillas that you can eat in the street. And it's so good. So good. But that's funny. That's fair. Yeah. So yeah, I needed to like go all over the place. I needed to look at maps. I needed to look mm -hmm. at timelines. I needed to like... Okay. I had to go all over the place because mm -hmm. it was not penetrating That's my brain so for a good like hour. I guess we sh we should have. I should. I guess it's on me um, as someone who grew up in San Diego and definitely went to the Mormon Battalion Center at least ten <laughs> times. Um, I should have thought of that, that to do an episode about. In the past. <laughs> Hindsight, man. I know they've done it. They would like release like all their like the new church videos there, so we'd go there for FHE sometimes. You know, like. Like we like they updated the center a few times, so like we'd be there every time. That's when they would do their own Pioneer Day thing in January. So that's why I always thought Pioneer Day was in January because like that's that's when their stuff is. So like they have like a whole area with like little shops and everything. It's it's such a nice area. There's also like a really nice restaurant in the area where you can get like the best like little churros ever. Um, but it's like one of the more bougie like little restaurants. But it's so good. They also have a soda shop, which is my favorite. Um, but anyways, <laughs> it's it's a fun it's a fun little pocket of stuff, and it's fun learning about it. Um, Except I don't really think they specify too much about like, hey, they were in Mexico. They weren't like. That was the other thing. I just remembered something that we should have talked about in our corrections corner. 
Um, mm-hmm. I'm doubling back for a second. Please do. One thing we did not point out enough in our episode last week was that mm-hmm. when the saints were being persecuted so much and they were getting no help from the federal government, where did they flee to? Mexico. 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 And I think that we need to sit on that a little bit because um, we are so quick to complain about um, Mexicans coming to America to mm-hmm. flee their country. And and yet, what did we do in the 1800s? We did exactly that. Yep. So I think we as um, a a very largely conservative church need to take several seats and eat some crow because we did that. We did that. Yeah. It's whenever I, yeah. Whenever I think about the literature that I read, like right, growing up in the church and I was in San Diego for eight years. Like I, I would have noticed if someone said, yeah, like you guys are here. Like, we were in Mexico. No, that was never pointed out. I don't rem- And I swear it's like, it just like hit me during like a Twitter discussion of something going on by like church historians saying like, okay, like this is what was going on. And I was like, how did this never occur to me? Like the Salt Lake Valley was not in the United States. They were not just fleeing Nauvoo. They weren't just fleeing like those terrible cities and like states where they could get murdered. They were literally leaving the entire country. They left the country. And then they turned around and tried to apply for statehood. Like, nah, commit to your choices. Like, stay in Mexico. Yeah. But then I guess, you know, the whole Louisiana purchase thing had happened by this point. So, like, whatever. But, yeah. Just blame everything on Brigham Young. It's fine. I mean, we do anyway, so. (laughs) We do. (laughs) Well, the Um, two of us do, not the church. That's Oh, that's true. Too. That's um, a distinction. Yeah. Side note, um, I want to make um, a correction's corner as well to my idea of heaven. <laughs> um, I forgot to put right after you make your entrance before you do anything, um, because, you know, like when you get to a new place, you're going to be like super pumped, super anxious and all this stuff. There is going to be like this ring where you get to go one at a time and beat up all the people who you've hated in this lifetime. Oh my gosh. You're guaranteed to win. You might take a hit. This or is two, what dreams like, are made of. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I started listing off some names the other day. I'm like, I just want to meet this person and I want to scream at them and slap them really, really, really hard. Um, so I've already started my list. If this is not in heaven, then it's not heaven. <laughs> so <laughs> yes. You choose the time, you choose the place, and they will be there. They have to. It doesn't matter if they somehow also got to heaven. It doesn't matter. You get to beat them up. Yes. So come to my heaven. I love it. You will love it. it. (laughs) Anyway. Okay, back to the daughter party. Back to the daughter party. Back to serious, (laughs) problematic things happening. Okay. So they were similar to the Mormon pioneers because they originally wanted to move west to be able to live their religion, funnily enough. So the majority of the Donner Party were Catholic, and they wanted to be free to live and thrive in Catholic Catholicism, that's how you say it, Catholicism, without fear of persecution. I just like had to pause because I'm thinking about like how many people were just like persecuted in general during like every stage of being in America. Mm-hmm. like. 
it's not been great for most people. Not really home of the free, you know? No. Home of the free persecution. Oh my gosh. Yes. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Okay. Continuing on though. Okay. So they wanted to thrive in their Catholicism as they had the right to do. So they're going to leave everything. So they decided they would uh, depart from Springfield, Illinois, and then they would head towards the Oregon Territory or California. So their plan was to follow the Oregon Trail route from the starting point of Independence, Missouri, to the Continental Divide of the Americas. This route usually required a pace of about 15 miles per day over the span of four to six months. No, thank you. That's insane. I'll just die. I'll just be persecuted to death. I'm fine with that. Okay. That's crazy that they're willing to do that. Okay. So the most difficult portion of this journey was the last hundred miles across the Sierra Nevada mountains, which can be crazy, especially if you're going in a wagon with horses or oxen. Oh my gosh. So the range has 500 peaks that are already over like 12,000 feet high, like so high. And they receive more snow than the other ranges in North America. So because of this, timing is so crucial when approaching this leg of the journey to make sure um, to make sure like you can get across because mud created by a spring rain or a snowdrift starting from September onward, like they need to be avoided. You can't get stuck in the mud. You can't. So like you also had to like make sure that um, the seasons would work for ensuring the animals like horses and oxen would have the sufficient grass that they needed to eat along the way. Um, because, you know, you're passing through the desert before and after these mountains. All in all, I would rather just die. I'm just going to lay that out there. I was definitely born at the right time because I would have chosen <laughs> death before doing that. I Oh, I love something in my air fryer um, from lunch. <laughs> Is it burning? No, it's fine. It turned off. Oh, okay. <laughs> but now I'm going to have to reheat it. <laughs> It's a cream pancake with cinnamon inside. It's delicious. Um, but my point was gonna be <laughs> my point was gonna be that I was born in this era for a reason, and it was for the air fryer. Because when I was putting it in the air fryer, I was thinking this is the best time to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> air fryers are amazing. I love them so much. Oh gosh. <laughs> I don't have a problem. I don't have an addiction. I'm just in love and that's okay. (laughs) You're just a girl staring at her appliance, (laughs) realizing that this is what true love feels like. And like, I, I inherit, I inherited quote unquote, my, my sister's air fryer. So it's like, I turn one knob, I open and close. It's a perfect portion size for someone on her own. And it's like the best. I just, I thrive on this thing. Anyways, yes, I would not survive. I would not survive in a team of 500 wagons headed west from Independence, Missouri. (laughs) Um, No. (laughs) Same. I'd be like, peace out. I will go live in the mountains for the next two days until something kills me. I will just pretend that I'm not religious whatsoever. So no one bothers me. Whatever you want me to And I will, you know, live my best life incognito oh my gosh yeah 
All right. So we've got George Donner and his family with a wife, three daughters, his siblings, and their five children. And James F. Reed and his family, which included a wife, daughter, two sons, and a mother-in-law, were the leads for the party. So there were several wagons that joined the party along the way. You don't always have to necessarily start together. So one included the Mormon family, Mary Murphy, an older widow with four sons, three daughters, and two son-in-laws with their children. When I was doing research about this family, I learned that mm -hmm. they had actually become apostates at some point while living in Nauvoo. So they had apparently, what? yeah, they had moved from Nauvoo to another part of Illinois for a job. Um, but then at some point, they joined the mobs that were persecuting <gasps> no. the saints in Nauvoo. Oh. <laughs> and just stop. Oh, that's hurtful. Um, sources are unclear whether or not they were actually excommunicated from the church, mm -hmm. um, but they always claimed to be Mormons. What? Yeah. They Even just... though they clearly didn't want to be? Okay. Yeah. They, they, they would die on that hill. And they, huh. they literally did die on that hill. Yeah, I was gonna, um, <laughs> but <laughs> long story short, they were the Mormon oh family gosh. that joined the party, the Donner party. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. It is because of these people, for some reason, I have always connected the Donner party to the Mormons. Mm -hmm. I have no idea where this originated, but that is why we're talking about it. So we're going to start off with their journey. They were making really good progress at one point. They traveled for six weeks straight and made it to Fort Laramie, Wyoming, which is about 650 miles of the journey. I've actually been to that area. Um, there's not a lot in Wyoming, but it is pretty if you like wilderness. This is where the group started to fall apart, however. Some of the group decided that they wanted to follow the Oregon Trail and go north towards southwest Idaho for the next leg of the journey. The others want to use a quote-unquote shortcut passing through Fort Bridger, Wyoming, which is southwest Wyoming, because of the guidance of Lansford Hastings. And Lansford Hastings was an early immigrant from Ohio to the west. He had successfully made the journey in 1842, so that was about four years prior, and published in The Immigrant's Guide to Oregon and California as a way of encouraging settlers to go west. Um, as an alternative to the Oregon Trail standard route, he proposed a more direct route to California across the Great Basin, which would take travelers through the Wasatch Range and across the Great Salt Lake Desert. It is important to note that he had not traveled any of this route. Yep. <laughs> he hadn't done anything. Nope. Um, and it was actually a longer route. <laughs> adding about 20 miles onto their travels, which, you know, to some of us may not seem like a lot, but imagine walking all that and then you will think very differently. Yeah. I just think it's interesting that like, he didn't actually do that route. Like he fully went the Oregon trail route. He's like, this sounds like a good idea. Let me write this. And then and he looked at a map and he was like, oh, you know what? What if we just cut through this <laughs> cross like a couple mountain ranges along the way? That's totally a shortcut. Like what kind of psychopath looks at mountain ranges and is like, that's clearly a shortcut. Let's do that. He is one person that I would like to have a conversation with in the spirit world and right. probably your up. list. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyways, he's on yeah. a few people's lists. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure that whole Donner party has him oh on his list. Oh my gosh, at the very top, the whole party. Sure, because yeah, George <laughs> Donner read this publication and decided to use the Hastings cutoff and go south. This decision would prove fatal for Donner and the other members of his party. So remember, half of that group of like 500 people, probably more than half actually, decided to continue going the Oregon Trail route and went north. And the other group followed Donner and Reed and they went south. So this isn't the whole party. This is literally like a small faction of the group that decided to go south. Yeah, so let's dive in. So initially, the Donner Party made great progress. However, they did have to create a new trail through the nearly impossible terrain of the Wasatch Mountains, which derailed them about two weeks. Um, And when, you know, time counts for everything, that's not very reasonable. And like creating a whole new trail is like, it's a lot of work because it's wilderness. But finally, on August 30th, after spending time recouping and gathering as much water and grass as possible for their animals, they entered the Salt Lake Desert. The journey to then cross it should have taken about two days, but because they lost cattle in the desert and several wagons had to be abandoned, they, it took them five days. Pioneers did conduct searches for the missing oxen, but were unable to find any and had to just move forward with what they had, which derailed them like more day, like more day. it just it just adds up for them unfortunately so like everything just starts really going wrong and honestly at that point you just gotta be like you know what this sucks like let's stop like let's call this good for real because by now it's september yeah which is when the weather can start to get bad yeah i would be like guys we're settling here for the winter get ready Exactly. So they were heading towards northwest Nevada, which would be the Ruby Mountains. So by the time their party reached the Sierra Nevada Mountains, where they had where they were going to wind up, it was late September, which is doomsday, basically. Oh, gosh. And then so by this time, though, by this late September, the other ones who had chosen to go north instead through Idaho, they had already reached California. So the Donner Party recognized the time that it was late September and needed, and they decided to try and race the weather to be able to clear the pass in this mountain range. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. The fact that the other half of their party already made it to California, we also need to note that, like, very obviously the Donner Party does not know that they have made it at this point. No, there was don't. no text we saying, we're here. <laughs> but, like, we at? know from history and records that they had made it by early September. And they were already settling in the Sacramento area yeah. of California. Yeah. So if the Donner Party had gone through with everything, then they would have been fine. Mm-hmm. But they didn't. They were like, yeah, that Linsford dude. Super cool. Let's do what he says. He must know everything. He <gasps> didn't. And he knew nothing. So, yeah. So by this point, though, okay, so we talked, we said what, like, this kind of journey takes like three to four months, maybe four to six months, four to six months. So by this Mm -hmm. point, they are six months. They're more than six months into their journey. Okay. Imagine living with all those people. Obviously tensions are running high. So on October 5th, James Reed, one of the leaders of this party got into a fight with one of his teamsters and Reed stabbed him to death. Mm -hmm. That's never good. Also, Thinking about it, mm-hmm. you probably only had enough food to get you through that journey. Too. Oh, yeah. You have to like you only had end. enough food rationed out for like those six months. And then after that, you're like, good luck. So this was like the beginning of the end for them, really. Yep. 
Oh, yeah. If anything goes wrong, they're not prepared for it. Nope. But then, like, losing oxen and some of their wagons, that's that would have been stuff they were relying on. So, okay. So, Reed has, so one of their leaders, Reed, has just stabbed someone to death, which is not a good omen and is going to be problematic as it is um, for many reasons. So, people start talking. Some members of the party thought that Reed should be hanged, but instead he was banished from the party. He was, they, they kicked him out. He chose to continue west on his own on horseback. He's like, peace out. I'll do this on my own. Goodbye. Um, his family did stay, though, because they could. And so they continued onward with the Donna party. As time wore on, as they were losing, as they were running out of food and everything, the indigenous people are still around. And the Paiute warriors started picking off some of their remaining oxen, which pretty much left them virtually stranded in the mountains. Mm-hmm. Most of the company had buried all of their personal possessions, except for food, clothes, and bare essentials to survive um, in an effort to minimize the load on the few animals they had left. With the sun of animal, it's like, maybe they can try to come back for later, or they're just gone. Cool. Um, but it's October, and at the very end of October, on the 31st, they were fully blocked in the mountains by deepening snow. It was too late. There was no way for them to move forward, and they finally realized this. So the parties took talk and chose to build crude cabins near Alder Creek, which is technically in California. It's just over the border northwest of Lake Tahoe. Eight days of continuous snow followed, during which the remaining oxen either wandered off or were lost. Or, okay, they were, they wandered off, they wandered off and disappeared or they died. All the oxen are now gone. On November 20th, Patrick Breen began a diary detailing the events that would follow for this party. It's the only contemporary written record of their entire ordeal. So thank you, Patrick Breen, for this. All right, let's get grisly. On date on December 15th, Bayless Williams, an employee of the Reed family, died of malnutrition at the camp. His was the first recorded death in the camps. The next day, 10 men and five women set out on on improvised snowshoes to cross the mountain and find food. The group, however, got lost and were hopeless, spending two days straight without food. One of the men, Patrick Dolan, proposed that one of them should volunteer to die in order to fight to feed the others. Some suggested a duel, which another account describes an attempt to create a lottery to choose a member, like drawing names out of a hat or drawing six, etc. There is, have you, have you read that short story about the lottery? I think it's called the lottery. It's a well-known like short horror story about a town that literally does that every year. I haven't, but that's basically what the research I found said. They all were like, let's just do a lottery. Oh my god, We'll choose someone. (laughs) But they didn't need to do that because because something happened. There was a blizzard. Um, The group had to stop and the animal handler Antonio died. So the group ate him to survive. In total, eight of the party died in the harsh conditions, and the other seven began eating their bodies for nourishment. And those seven survived and made it to the Sacramento Valley. They were the ones who found California settlers and organized a relief party, which left from Fort Sutter in Sacramento in late January 1847. So of this relief party, only seven people were able to reach the settlement and take 23 starving members, mostly children at this point, and take them back. It was impossible for them to remove everyone safely with the amount of snow. 
So they left the 23 people and left the remaining members of the Donner Party at their encampment. I found of the 23 people, 17 of them were children. Oh my goodness. So literally it was almost entirely children that were rescued. Insane. Goodness. Which is good because that means they didn't eat the children. That's but true. Oh. Also kind of like, oh gosh, oh. that's terrible. Yeah. Let's continue the story. Um, it is late February 1847 now. The Donner Party has eaten through their remaining animals, including their dogs and any animal hides they had available. They're starving, they're malnourished, and they're dying one by one every day. So they begin eating each other. By this point, there had been three other rescue attempts for the Donner Party. All three had been partially successful where they'd been able to rescue like 10 to 15 people each, or otherwise they were completely unsuccessful where they couldn't rescue anyone or make it to even to their encampment. I've heard some accounts though, like where some indigenous people tried to help them out and were able to get to them, but no one would accept their help. I don't have any record of this, but... I didn't find anything that said that. Mm, I, I did find true. that there was one rescue party that came. Yeah. And they found one of the members had been, was still alive uh-huh. and was actively eating people. Um, yeah. And had listeners, you can probably skip this part, like skip ahead 30 <laughs> seconds. Um <laughs> had hung up a body like they hang like pigs in slaughterhouses and was just carving meat off of the body to like cook and yeah yeah that person must have been a butcher in their life before i don't know but apparently like the rescue party came across that and they like turned around and left. <laughs> they were like, nope, we're not. I would not blame them. Which honestly, same. Because if I had come across that, I would have been like, all right, Leatherface, have a nice life up <laughs> here in the mountains on You're your own. I'm out. Fine. I don't want you in my society. It is safer Mm-mm. for us all this way. Mm-mm. Hope you die soon. Bye. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. It's gruesome. Oh my gosh. It is. Yes. It is gruesome history. Nasty. <laughs> Okay. Anyways, it continues. Um, Yes. We now bring in the Mormon Battalion of Rescue. The Mormon Battalion enters in June 1846. The church was seeking U.S. government aid for their planned migration west to the Salt Lake Valley. They're like, hey, you don't want us in our towns. Help us get out of here. All their requests, however, were denied. Brigham Young, now the prophet, sent a representative to Washington, D.C. to seek assistance from the federal government. But, of course, then, like, eight days later, after, you know, arriving in D.C., Congress declared war on Mexico. Thomas Kane offered the Mormon, Mormons advice and assistance, which included having members of the church join a militia of sorts to prove their allegiance to the USA and send them to California to prevent Mexico from taking up arms against the U.S. That sounds so American. Oh, you want our help? Go kill people for us. Basically, yeah. Um, so on July 1st, 1846, word got back to the saints and though they were suspicious of the request, they were also more worried about possible persecution from the government if they didn't go along with it. So 500 volunteers enlisted to fight in this war. They left their homes in Nauvoo and headed west on August 1st. So this is around the same time that the, the huge Donner party had already like started their journey. Mm -hmm. So like by this point, 
by the point that the Mormon battalion had formed and were heading west, the Donner Party was basically crossing into the Salt Lake Valley or like getting almost there. Oh, yeah. And then from my research, the route that the Mormon battalion took, it looks like they used the Mississippi River to go as far south as possible first. And then they headed west through Mexico all the way over to like San Diego and California. Um, They never actually ended up in any battle too, according to my research, but at least knowing why they were formed um, and where they were at this point in time was helpful for me to understand the Donner Party story. So I just wanted to include that backstory for anybody else who was like me and had never heard of the Mormon battalion before. There are there are Mormons out there like us. Okay, so fast forward to the end of spring, early summer, eighteen forty seven. The Mormon battalion is told they are released from duty and can finally head home. They received word that their families were leaving Nauvoo and heading west to Salt Lake Valley, so they started heading east. In late June, eighteen forty seven, though, the Mormon battalion was heading east and came upon the Donnan Party encampment. They found bones, human remains, artifacts, and their crude cabins. It is unclear whether or not they found the journal made by Patrick Brain, but they buried what remains they found, burned down the cabins, and helped anyone that was still there. In total, 42 people died in the party, and 47 survived. So, 50-50 chance of making yeah. it out. That's gruesome. It is super gruesome, especially, like, I mean, okay, side note, plug your ears if you hate gross things but like scientifically (laughs) speaking um cannibalism will kill you in the long run yeah like your body is not made to eat other people's bodies they've done studies on this um doesn't it do something with like your brain chemistry after you've had yes like human flesh like it really yeah messes with you i mean it starts to like rot your insides and yeah ruins your brain chemistry and all these other things i read a list a while ago um, you can do it like on occasion just not frequently <laughs> oh. um but yeah okay Hannibal Lecter <laughs> like what the heck a tiny bit is not enough like I'm saying like if you if you like had a bite then you wouldn't like instantly you know start to die it's like the more you eat I would rather die yes <laughs> I would rather die yes I if my option that. was um starvation or eating another human i would say actually just shoot me yes i don't need to live i'm good i'm, I'm okay i've done. seen enough of this world Peace i don't out. need to see anymore i yeah. don't want this mm-hmm. okay. again if you guys didn't know this at the top of the episode <laughs> kaylee and i are not survivalists not. no we don't want to live to see the worst of humanity Gosh. we would rather mm-hmm. die first so if, if anything in the future, like in the next 10, 20, 30 years, requires like survivalist Don't come looking stuff for us. of some sort, we're going to have given up already. We, we will, will be walk into traffic. the first to peace out of here. I will let a zombie bite me right away. I will walk into oncoming traffic first. I will tell someone to shoot me. I'll just go to a Republican and tell them that I... Um, would like them to <laughs> get rid of their guns and just keep yelling that until they shoot yeah. me on their property. It'd only take like three shots, so. It really won't take much. They always feel threatened. So really, 
I will do everything in my power to die quickly because I would rather not survive any of that crap personally. <laughs> Sorry. Jesus made me this way. I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna pretend. Okay. I'm not bunkering down anywhere to see the end of days. I don't want that. Yeah. My <laughs> fight or flight response is to freeze. So I I really, really would not last long. And I'm okay with that. I've accepted it. Just don't come looking for us. We wish you the best of luck though, really. Yeah. If you guys want to be survivalists, go ahead. Enjoy that life. I enjoy this. I personally have already seen what a dumpster fire the world is with this pandemic and I don't need to experience it again. I know. I mean, even if you survive that, then you have to like rebuild. And I, I don't have the energy for that. Oh God. No, no. (laughs) These hands were not made for building Uh houses, (laughs) encampments, cooking over a Uh fire. No. No, Absolutely not. Give me a proper oven and a stove or nothing. (laughs) These hands were made for a microwave. Okay. (laughs) And air fryers. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Gosh. Best of luck to the rest of you. Anyways, we wish you the best. Yes. Um, uh, to conclude, now that this is on a light note, um, but, um, but yeah, there you go. Those are two horrible instances in history, American history, LDS history, whatever you want to call it, the past. Yeah, people are messed up. People make mistakes. They make terrible choices. Bad things happen to good people, all sorts of things like that. Um, and we know that a lot of this stuff doesn't get talked about whether or not because people think they can't learn from it or because leadership will of any kind will try to hide any mistakes that happen and nobody likes admitting their mistakes. We also know that the truth depends on a few things and everyone's going to have a different perspective of that. You have seen that in this episode as well as many most in the past of our like our whole episode. Our whole podcast. Our whole podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what we tried to do today was highlight a few stories that we knew know about, um, show where the gaps are, um, discuss why there are problems and everything, and do what we can to like learn from our mistakes. Like, don't listen to men who don't know what they're talking about and haven't experienced certain things. Like an entire portion of the freaking trail that he's telling you all to take. The audacity of white men will kill us all. Or maybe when you see that it's August and you haven't even made it to the Sierra Nevadas yet, maybe you should consider bunking down for the winter instead of trying to race against the clock because you're not going to beat weather. You won't. Gosh. Anything that can happen will happen. And all your stress that's going to be terrible. It's just the safest route, you guys. Why would you ever try to beat a snowstorm? That snowstorm is going to beat you every single time. Just don't even try to fight it. Yeah. So as you prepare for your winter holidays. <laughs> Stay inside. Stay inside. Don't go outside. <laughs> um, and don't resort to cannibalism. There's no need. You can enjoy the snow from the comfort of your home looking out the window. Oh my gosh. Just turn on YouTube. Don't even open the blinds. Play a video on YouTube. <laughs> choose the daytime moment you want and just play that for hours you guys so much safer oh gosh 
my gosh. So anyways, we hope you've enjoyed this journey down horrifying history with us. Um, we learned a lot. We learned we learned things that we did not know before about how these things were connected to the church in the past or church members. We understand now why these things are not talked about as often as they could be in the church, because who wants to hear about 42 people being eaten by one another? Not many. So yeah, take some more time to look up other things that you haven't known about before. Do your own kind of research and look into historical events, because this was fascinating. It was interesting going through all of these events and looking at the many different articles and making a timeline of my own. There's just so much to there's just so much to learn out there. Like it's crazy. And I mean, I think and I think overall the discussion is growing up like okay, what did high school not teach us kind of thing? Like mm-hmm. curriculums are given a very pointed perspective of everything. And that's just showing like what they're actually willing to showcase in the first place kind of thing. You know, like we we need to do a lot of our own learning. And I think that's a lot of what we've tried to do with this podcast overall. Like, okay, we know a little bit about this. We've heard a rumor about this. Let's look into it. What proof is there? Who has said what? What's What do we know here? Um, so I feel like we've tried to do that a bit. Um, I know we've talked about like critical thinking and, you know, figuring things out for yourself, figuring out your faith. So hopefully you guys are doing that, doing whatever works for you ultimately. Um, and I hope you guys had fun with this episode. Yeah. So thanks for listening, guys. And we will see you next week in our finale. Yes. Please join us for that. Yes. That would be awesome. It should be fun. But yeah. Until next time. Bye. bye.